0: Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Connor Fisk. Connor is a Milwaukee area native growing up in the Grafton area. He's currently a pitcher in the Toronto Blue Jays organization. In high school, Connor was a multi-sport athlete in both hockey and baseball. Out of high school, he was drafted in the 34th round by the Milwaukee Brewers, but he elected to attend college and pitch at Southern Mississippi. Following his collegiate career, he re-entered the draft and was selected by the Blue Jays, um, who he has played for since, since 2014. Connor still returns to Milwaukee each offseason, where he trains, and in in his downtime, he gives pitching lessons to local youth pitchers. So welcome to the show, Connor, and thanks for your time to come on today. Yeah, no problem. I'm yeah, glad glad, glad, I, glad I had to be here. Yeah, so give us a little bit of your uh baseball history. How did you get started in the sport and kind of what's it what's it been like to uh to work way off into pro ball now?
1: Um yeah, so I mean I started at a young age like almost you know I had every other kid uh you know kind of remember playing T-ball and stuff. I think I think when I really fell in love with it was like uh my dad played high school baseball and he's from South Dakota and then he played in an old the one of the old men's leagues um and wore like the white Sox uniform so like to me when i was like four years old i thought that was a big league you know, i thought he was like on the minor leagues i thought it was the coolest thing ever you know and uh, i think back at the time then it was like frank thomas was really big back then and uh i got like a bat like frank thomas so i'd go out there and hit and it's like you know watching him play and then like doing that like yeah, i really like it was really when i fell in love with it um doing that and then as I got older I kept playing and then my as you know my dad started coaching me. Um I played uh with the Wisconsin Rockhounds. I think it was one of the first or second years that they uh they were like they became an organization and uh I play I played through that through uh yeah I think through middle school I like was eleven to fourteen around there and then uh my brother, my little brother played after me. Um, and then I got to high school and I was like, you know, I went to high school originally to play hockey. Um, like a lot of people didn't know that I transferred to, from Brown Deer to Grafton because Brown Deer at the time didn't have a hockey team. And, uh, like when I was a freshman in high school, I think my dream was like, I wanted to go play for Wisconsin hockey. You know, I wanted to, you know, be a hockey player. I thought it was like, you know, kind of wanted to go against like what I fell in love with with my dad in the sport of baseball. And I went to my first high school practice and Grafton was not the best team. And I barely made it through that. I'm like, well, there's, there's no shot of this. Like so I better hope baseball works out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I went to, you know, high school. So I made varsity as a freshman um, as a pitcher only. So I was, wasn't good enough to be a real athlete and hit and run. <laughs> so I started pitching there and like, when I pitched on varsity as a freshman, I kind of started to realize like, maybe I could do this. Maybe I can go play, you know, college and stuff. But, like when I was a kid, like, that was one of the things like everybody you want to play college. I think I went we went to Omaha one year with the Rockhounds and uh we you know we played in the college or we would play, but we played by the college world series and we went to a couple games. And so like, you know, you think that'd be cool to do do, but like being a kid from Wisconsin back in the day, like you know, we did I didn't know. I was watching kids from Florida and Texas play. It's like I didn't know if I had the training or the experience or like if I'd ever find a way to get to that point. Um and as I went, like I said, as I was going as I went through high school, like I started realizing I was like, I'm pretty good. I have some stuff, but I was like, I didn't know where it was going to go. So um, I think it was when I was a sophomore, I went a perfect game. We had a perfect game showcase in the area and I went to it and I was, you know, sophomore, I think I was for two innings, I was like 84 to 86. And I had, I had no idea. It was probably 40 degrees out, 30 degrees in April in Wisconsin. So yeah. like, and I didn't know what I was, I just, I knew I could throw hard, but I didn't know how hard. And then that's when I kind of realized, like, oh, maybe I can I can go to college. I could, I could do something with like this. So, you know, the years progressed. I think I had a couple of injuries. My junior year, I tore the labrum in my left shoulder playing hockey. So I missed that whole year, which was obviously the big year for recruiting. So, like, and my sophomore year, I was kind of injured, too. Like, I just kind of started throwing too hard. I didn't have the strength or, like, performance training that we have nowadays. I mean, I didn't really touch a weight anyway. So, but – um, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I kinda had to battle some injuries there, rehabbed, and then I kinda missed basically two years of like getting seen besides that, you know, one or two showcases I went to. So when I was a senior, I came on the scene like throwing ninety out of nowhere. Like got showcases. I throw ninety and I went up to ninety two, I think. And I was going to all those perfect game showcases they had in Iowa and Wisconsin. And it kind of like, you know, with that, I think that kind of helped me become like a late bloomer, like just like that last kind of like, oh, where'd this guy come from? Like, well, you know, maybe we can grab him, like see what happens. Like, so I think that kind of played in my advantage, you know, kind of being hurt for those years and then coming on strong, having a good senior year. And then from there I went, um, like I, you said, I got, I got drafted by the Brewers, which I had no idea was going to happen. I had three or four other teams that were like really interested. And I thought like they, I didn't receive a, a letter from the brewers i didn't receive like i didn't talk to a scout i didn't i had i didn't even know they knew about me and i'm watching the draft you know as as a high school kid i'm watching there like i think i was sitting home on the couch um i didn't go day two is when which when they projected me i thought i was gonna go day two and day three comes along and i was like okay i'm kind of like a little bit salty you know like not happy so just sitting there kind of pouting on the couch watching tv and then i watch all the teams i thought were gonna pick me just pass over, pass over and then the Brewers came up, and I'm like, oh, okay. what what kind of idiot they're gonna pick next? What, what slapstick are they gonna pick?" My name pops up. I'm like, "I oh, could you gotta be kidding me?" So That's I was awesome. like, it was like it a pretty cool experience, like to like see your name pop up live, and then like you know get the calls and like you know friends and family like congratulate you.
0: Um,
1: but like you said, I chose to go to uh, college after that because it just wasn't like I was a late rounder. I wasn't really ready for that pro ball experience, so. I uh, had a full ride to Wabash Valley a junior college for two years. I went there and then I went from there. I went to Southern Mississippi. So the idea was to go to junior college to like hopefully get drafted again. Um, I had, I had some kind of offers or looks, but you know, then it was like, once I went to JUCO and like, you know, re-innovated myself, like i in better shape, um, started throwing harder, you know, playing better competition, competition. I uh, won. I was asking for a little bit too much money as what they saw me worth. But you know, and, and day it's like, you know, I thought I was worth what I was asking for. So I didn't get drafted and went to Spiller miss and had two awesome years there. And then, you know, got drafted with the Blue Jays. And then here I am. Been there for what five, six years now, I think. Yeah. Almost seven.
0: Yeah. It's awesome, man. That's uh I didn't actually know that whole story, but you literally Yeah your story is perfect because um we have, we have kids come in all the time that are, that are having arm pain or something like that. And the first question is usually related to, like, could I throw in this showcase in uh, three weeks? And my answer is usually, like, no. And why would you want to in the first place? Because there's not going to be an yeah. asterisk that, like, says, oh, he, he threw 68, but his arm was sore. It's just going to say – you threw 68 and you're going to be exactly. non-recruitable and, and not be on anybody's radar. I'm like, you're better served waiting, coming out of nowhere and throwing really hard. And it's going to open way more eyes than like being the kid that's always been kind of throwing very like slow and not putting up great numbers. And you've got to, you got to do even more to like break that reputation versus like the kid that comes out of nowhere throwing mid eighties or something. And now you're projectable. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think, too, of saying, like, I think I, even
1: with my coaching experience, like, a lot of kids have gone to showcases, and it's like, dang, Coach this fall, he went to, uh, he missed two weekends of throwing with me for two showcases yeah. uh, as a junior, which, uh, he, I mean, I think he was he's around low 80s, uh, lefty, like, funky delivery, deception, so he, like, I thought he was pretty good, but I also thought, like, paying for those showcases is, like, sometimes not in your best interest. Like, if you have, like, if you're around, like, if you're a junior, or something. Going to be a senior around eighty, low eighties. Like, I would try to invest in that time and, like, you know, go to one showcase and see where you're at, and then invest in time and training, and then go to one, you know, right before your senior year, your senior high school. Uh, I guess when the class starts, or even like kind of during that fall, and then see where you're at, because like I think like you'll make you they'll make jumps, and like you'll be happy with what you you achieve.
0: Yeah. No, that's it's uh, that's really good advice. So it kind of leads me into the next thing I was going to ask you about. So I know you, you know, when you're in town, you um, kind of help coach in youth baseball, both like with a team and then um, doing private pitching instruction. Um, what do you see different about baseball now than like, as you were a kid growing up?
1: Um, there's a lot more of it. I would say too. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Like there's a lot more baseball. I mean, you don't have to be like, um, there's not like two or three select teams. Like there's, there's tons of them now, like days when I was like, I mentioned before I was, I played for the Rock Hounds growing up. Um, when I, when I was doing that, it was like the Rock Hounds. I think Milwaukee angels were around back then. Uh, a few other teams here and there that were really good that we always played in those state tournaments together. And, uh, we were one of the, you know, one of the better ones, but like, there wasn't like, you know, hitters was coming around as my brother was starting and he, went around nine ten years old and now you have sticks grb um you have all the other ones in between you have bigler and angels i think there's bruce state i mean there's there's so many different places to play now i think that's a pretty cool thing that like i didn't have that option i remember i thought it was just i was like either little league like rec league or you know maybe one of these travel teams that were like you thought were like i thought it was like you know triple a yeah <laughs> like back in the day so yeah. like uh uh, to me, so I mean, it's it is what it is. Like, it's still pretty cool whether what team you're on, you're you're still playing. You have a chance to play and like get better. So yeah. I think it's awesome that we have a lot more baseball around, especially in this state. Because we, I mean, today I was out there throwing. I warmed up. It was sleeting, and then by the time I was done warming up, it was sunny and 45. So I don't yeah. know. Like, it's it's unbelievable how to play how you play in this state.
0: Yeah. Welcome, welcome to Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, so. I want to dive into, you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but uh, on, on an individual level, kind of when you're giving pitching lessons, what are some common uh, mistakes that you see with youth pitchers or common things that you uh, work on with kids as you're, as you're trying to uh, help them improve as a pitcher?
1: Uh, I guess a generic thing I'll say is, like, basically mechanics is one. Like, mechanics and just overall throwing. Like, everybody's going to have different mechanics – And we all throw differently. Um, Like, you can see, like, guys in the big leagues, you know, college, uh, high school, everybody throws differently. Like, there's not one right way to throw, but we all have A, B, and C. We all have points. Like, we all have – they used to say it's, like, your balance load point, then it's, like, your power position, and then your finish, right? So, like, that's kind of what I look at. Like, I think the biggest thing I look for is – because I do a lot of, like, you know, 10 to 14, 15-year-olds – is just if they can use their legs correctly to throw as opposed to their arms. so the biggest thing i work on is like getting that load and then driving with your legs and throwing so like i don't honestly I i really don't care where the ball goes i don't care if you're throwing strikes when you're 11 10 years old as long as you're throwing the ball correctly and then we'll get the strikes it's like you know you start you start big and then work your way down like the main thing main thing is having those mechanics and just and having it repeatable. Like, like we said, every, every kid's different. So like for one kid, it may be, he may have to learn differently than the other. So it's just kind of teaching them how to use their body the best way and how they can repeat it. Because like, as, as we know, we all, I mean, I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it. It's like you throw one day you are great with me, but then if you don't work on it or you lose those steps. So yeah, um, like that's, that's the biggest thing I would say.
0: No, I think I met a couple of the kids that you uh, you gave lessons to um, that came to one of the workshops that we did. And I say the other thing that I took just from talking with them was like how uh, you make baseball like very fun for kids that that age. Like, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, that's just something that you can't, kind of like you had growing up where like you, you got the love of the mm-hmm. game and then you wanted to get better at it versus like it always yeah. being like a job or like, Something that you really have to work on as a kid, where it's like it should be the time that it's like the most fun. Like now at your level, oh, yeah, for sure. Job. Like it's what puts food on your table and stuff. But uh, yeah. uh, as a kid, it's like okay to just enjoy it and want to compete for the sake of competition and to to have fun with it.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's like that's my that's my biggest thing. What with that is like it's when I do it, I I do it. I want to I want them to have fun, so I kind of teach them how I would do it, as it's my job, but I make it fun and competitive for them because i think that's another biggest thing too is like everybody everyone wants to like everybody parents ask me too like and i'm sure they've asked you like oh how do i get my kid to throw harder how do i get my kid to do this how do they become this or that like is he gonna if he's, are you gonna get him to throw 90 like well i there's no magic bullet there's no magic pill like like you can't you can't teach that like yeah. i can give you all the tools all the resources to do that but at the end of the day you won't be able to do that but you know at the end of the day you're either going to do it or you're not given what i'm giving you with the information but the and like i said in the, the day it's it's about having fun like yeah i think when i do my lessons my big like the biggest thing i like to do is like at, at the end is we compete like the whole thing we do it like the start is like very serious like warm up let's do our routine right so you get, get that ingrained and at the end it's like okay we did all this stuff okay, let's compete and let's see what you have that day and then each day like i think i, I do two kids usually so it's like each time they can compete and they and they have fun, and they get better. So, yeah. and that's and that's all that's all that matters. As long as as long as you're as long as you're doing something, you get better each day. That's that's all I care about.
0: Yeah, no, that's perfect. And that kind of sets it up. Um, what do you think the ideal setup is for pitching lessons? Like one-on-one, small groups. How would you like to work with kids? Ah, uh, it depends. I think there's like some kids need that
1: one-on-one lesson because like one and two maybe they don't focus or maybe maybe it's just like not enough that individualization like everybody learns differently just like we all throw differently so like um it kind of depends i did a lot of two-on-one this year with uh, two kids which i thought was really good because they uh both kids are able to do a throwing routine as as i teach it as i would do as i do in my my profession and we build up that way and then that's the first 30 minutes with doing all like a dynamic warm-up maybe some med balls depending on what i think they need to work on to use their legs or their hips better and then we throw and then by the 30, that 30 minutes now it's time to throw in the mound and then we each we switch five and five and then at the end that's when i get into the competition so it's like they're also both learning from each other so it's like one throws five the other one listens to me coach him and then the other one throws five and then the other one sits down and listens so it's like they're you know is they don't are always as focused as i want them to be but for the most part they they get to see and hear like instead of me telling it to them they can see me tell it to someone else i'm like oh maybe now sending clicks maybe now they get that and it's like it kind of helps them just reinforce that learning process and like what i'm trying to teach them um as opposed to doing it one-on-one because i think an hour one-on-one sometimes is just too much talking or too much throwing either way um ideally if i do one-on-one i'd like to do it 45 minutes i think that's the perfect amount of time with a warm-up and throwing um for what the kid needs to work on um so i mean i would definitely say i think i like two-on-ones a lot because i think you can get a lot done and it's like each the kids if they're friends or whatever teammates they get to compete and that gives you just an extra little or advantage yeah for them to get better
0: no i think that's i think that's a really good point i mean i think it's one of the things that i think people don't realize like i mean even even you guys like all the pro guys that that you like you and that that work out with you you guys don't just go and jump in the cage and throw for an hour like yeah you're gonna be there for you're gonna be there for a while doing your warm-up and your pre-activation stuff and kind of some drills and those type of stuff but like you're not just sitting there chucking for for an hour a day you know you guys kind of get in get your work done and get out and it's actually a Surprisingly low number of pitches in, in the off season when you when you work on stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think like um, one of the things I think this is probably a good point too here is like all through like my collegiate career and even high school, like people didn't like warming up with me we or playing catch because like I took forever. Like I'd always like I have a warm up a dynamic thing. I think before I got into really good shape in the college, remember it took me like an hour awesome warm up before I even threw a ball. Like I could almost do like a full workout. you yeah. know, a dynamic and stretching and all this stuff like before I threw a base like I knew like how important it was um and I think this, this is now too is like the reason why I did that was like I remember going to the Brewers games as, as a kid when I was a you know you know in high school and stuff and, and a young young kid um I watched like you know most kids they go to the game they do this they watch they want a ball they want this a bat batting gloves like I think when I was young I wanted that too but I'd also go with my dad and we'd watch the pitcher, starting pitcher warm up. You know, I'd watch all, like, all the kind of stuff you do. And I, like, I thought, I was like, well, so that's what they do. So that's, that's, that's what you got to do to, you know, pitch and be at that level every day. It's that like you do that every day. You create a routine, whatever your routine is. Eventually it's, you know, it's going to reinforce itself, reinforce itself. And you're going to get better each, each and every day by doing that. Like you're going to have your good days and bad days, but um, overall it's going to really help. And I think that's one of the biggest things that, that has helped me.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's awesome. Really, really good advice. Um, so there's a bit of a kind of debate on, um, you know, when youth players should, should start to throw baseball or throw breaking pitches. Um, wondering what, like what pitches you like to work on with kids and when you start to, when you start to teach breaking pitches, um, like when, when did you first start throwing breaking balls?
1: Um, I start. I think I started throwing a, a curveball, or if you call it a curveball, or you know, just something something that spun around thirteen to fourteen. Yeah. Um, and that's usually when I kind of teach it. I kind of try to hold off till fourteen if I can. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, most kids are going to probably throw it regardless. Um, but I would say like hold off until hold off until you start growing. Like I had, I think I had a couple of kids. They might have been coming to your. Uh, I, f- I forgot what it was, but your your, uh, your talk you had at BRX the one time, but they came to it. Um, they were a bit younger. They still yet to hit that puberty mark yet, yeah. but they wanted to do curveballs. I so it's like, well, okay, well you guys are throwing like have been, been doing it anyway, so we'll, we'll work on that. Um, they actually had some really good ones. So, um, but I would I would like people to hold off until they start you start growing, you know, because otherwise we can do more damage than not like. Um, you also know more about you know the anatomy than I do, but when I was a kid growing up and seeing all the kids I played against, like I've seen tons of kids ruin their arm, like, you know, you know, peers of mine or like even kids behind me because they were throwing curveballs too early. And it's like, you hear those stories. Like the idea of throwing a curveball is like in a game is obviously you know, throw the hitter off. but It's like when you're a youth kid, it's like the idea is not to strike everybody out. The idea is to play and have fun. Like, yeah. Like nobody cares if you win a 12U championship <laughs> tournament, if you blow your arm out and you can never pitch again. Like, I mean, it just doesn't matter in the long run because, like, a lot of kids, like, I've seen a lot of kids, like, you know, blow their armels or have Tom and John. I think there was a kid that played with my brother on my, my little brother's team, and he threw, like, you know, 55 at, like, nine years old or something, something yeah. crazy. He was throwing so hard. But, you know, I mean, we kind of didn't know either. I mean, I, I wouldn't know put it on my dad's fault for overthrowing him. But, you know, the parents wanted him to throw, and he threw with us and other teams and always throwing hard, always throwing hard, always throwing hard. Always throwing hard. And eventually he threw so much he blew out. And then I think he never played baseball again. It like, yeah. It's like, it's kind of like sad to see that because of the overuse, like, you know, just take your time, you know, enjoy the game, have fun. And then if you get to high school, and if you want to move on from it, or you get to, you get to end of high school and want to move on, then I think that's, that's what you should do.
0: Yeah. No, I think, I think that's a good, kind of good advice. I mean, we don't, I don't know, for a while it was like, don't let kids throw curveballs. And now it's like, I mean, Every, every pitch is the harder you throw the more stress there is on your elbow and mm-hmm. that regardless of the pitch and a really hard fastball might be more stressful than a curveball but what we That's talk about true. what we talk about with kids is like I mean if you're not if you can't throw a good fastball and a good changeup, like you should probably I feel like you should probably work on that before you start working mm-hmm. on trying to yeah well anyways you know
1: yeah. That's, I mean, that's mainly what I do in my lessons. My big thing is like, you know, as we're trying to have fun and compete is, you know, mechanics, then fastball command, then change up. And then if you, you know, if we can do that now we can move on to the breaking ball. Cause like, that's how it's kind of how it is even at like the higher levels of college and stuff. It's like, you know, if you can't do that, then we can't do this, you know, we right. can't throw pitches for strikes and you can't throw that, you know, that good breaking ball O2 because you haven't proven it. Like, so I think the biggest thing is like, you can throw a curveball and it's like, it's just the, over, it's, it's a use of it. So it's like, if you have a good mechanics, you can spin it well, or you can throw it, just don't fall in love with it because, you know, most kids at 13, 14, they can't hit a good curveball. They, they're going to see it, but like, doesn't mean you should fall in love with it and throw that to win that 12, 13 championship. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's just like, that. I think that's the biggest thing. So like you said, like guess that's what I just told Like If you throw a fastball hard, you know, that's, more stressful, obviously, than throwing a curveball. But if you throw fifty curveballs in the game, whether they're low stress or not, it's not good for your arm.
0: Right. No. Exactly. Cool. Good stuff. So I want to dive into dive into you a little bit. I've I've uh, gotten to watch you kind of train and pitch and getting gotten to know you over the last couple of years. Now um it was really fun this off season to see kind of how you changed your approach to the off season. So I was, wonder if you'd be open to talking a little bit about kind of what changed in your approach and what you've learned about sort of taking care of your body during the off season, um, this year.
1: Uh, yeah. So this year, I think my biggest thing was I started meal prepping and eating a lot healthier. Um, you know, when you're starting to get older here, I'm you know, 28 now, so I'm not, not 20. I can't burn off that pizza and uh, a couple beers as fast as I used to. So, um, after my season in 2019, uh, you know, I didn't have the best season. Uh, kind of mentally kind of drained me just like going back and forth and everything that happened. So I figured, you know, I need to change something. I go, if I want to get to the next level, I go, I have to change something because obviously what I'm doing is not working. You know, I've been at AAA for two years and haven't made it, so I need to change something. And uh, the biggest thing I've noticed is like I've always never been the most in shape or, you know, best looking athlete or pitcher out there. So I decided, you know, it's not that I have all the strength or I can't do it. It's just, I need to be a little bit more efficient. So I started, you know, eating better, um, you know, with meal prepping. Um, I went, you know, I came to you, we did, we did the, the measurements, the, all the, all the tests to like, see what my mobility and stuff was and turned out my hips were really bad. Um, not the worst, but they weren't good. So I worked on a lot of you know, the hip mobility stuff you gave me and worked on a lot more strength and core training this year um, as opposed to years past. Like I think I didn't do as much focus on keeping my core strong with all my workouts. Sometimes you get a little bit lazy in the workout and you kind of like overcompensate. So I think the main focus was working on that core and hip region as opposed to, you know, my upper body and my lower body yeah. um, for me. I think that's really helped me out a lot.
0: Yeah. No, I think you could just, just your whole approach was different. And I think it, you know, you just tell it was like a conscious effort where, um, mm-hmm. you know, and some of it came back to even like the food, but like, you were just always there. You were always like, your intent in the gym was just like way different than, you know, you weren't just there like hanging out and kind of going, going through stuff with, with, with everything. Like you were really like, working on something like you had a, a goal and a plan. yeah like you just came in and executed yeah. for
1: sure i think i think i always thought i did it like you can always think you do it uh, i did it. i mean i think it wasn't say i didn't do that in years past but i was definitely i know i was i was more focused like I, in years past i would do uh you know i'd go there maybe brx once or twice a week and i would do uh my other work i was at a gym that i paid for up here in grafton at form fitness and I would do them. It wasn't like, it wasn't working out, but I think like, you know, when you're, when you set one place aside and you put, you get that routine, whether it's, you know, two, three, four, whatever days a week it is, you know, for me it has to be four or more with my profession, but putting that work in and being consistent with it is it pays off. And it's like, you know, you saw it, like um, I've seen it and I've noticed the changes. Um, a lot of other people have noticed changes. And it's like, I, feel a lot more athletic a lot better on the mound I feel you know the things that I thought I was doing I can now physically do and I can now I can break through that next barrier so I think that's the biggest thing is like just being focused and intent with what you want to do and and you know the my biggest thing too is like we can all say this and stuff but like we're going to have good days and bad days. Like, you know, even like, you know, Garrett Cole's the world and like, you know, the bottom feeders, everybody has a good day and bad day. It's just, are you willing to push past those bad days? Cause you're going to You're going to have a hell of a lot more bad days and good days. Yeah. I can tell you that. So it's, and I think that was my, that, like you said, that's my biggest thing which just kind of pushing past those days where it's like, ah, do I really want to, you know, maybe I can take today off or something, but it's like, you know, if I take today off or kind of do a half, like a half ass job at it, it's, you know, those days add up and eventually it's like if you do enough of those, now you basically over my five month period, I wasted two weeks, you know, right, essentially of yeah. of doing that. So I think that's it's just really putting putting that time in every day, you know, or whatever it is, whatever your routine is, to get to the goals that you want to get to.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, kind of the other thing I really noticed with you this uh this off season was um, you know, baseball has become Much more tech uh, tech savvy. So spin rates, launch (laughs) angle, velocity. Um, The first year that I met you, you were total reject on all of that, (laughs) and uh, you're like, I don't want to hear that. And then uh, you know, this year, I know you really taught yourself a lot about like the rap soto and and uh, things like that. So just wondering how some of some of the way that baseball is going, and I think there's some pros and some cons, but how it's affected. What you, how you approach your pitching in the off season? Uh, yeah. So I
1: mean, I I would definitely say I'm more
0: on the old school factor
1: with it. Like a lot of people I have talked to or been mentored by, um, on the more old school, like you know the eye test and all this stuff. Like um, and also there's good and bad technology. I don't think like you should, we should measure a full pitcher on technology because you could have off the charts Rap Soto data and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, if you can't throw strikes and you can't get anybody out and you have a two cent head, it doesn't, it doesn't going to matter what your rap soda numbers look like. So, um, I think they're definitely great tools to use. Like I use it a lot this year. when I threw at sticks to kind of see what I was doing, you know, kind of messing around with, you know, um, how I threw the baseball or how I gripped it. Um, and seeing what I did, like, I was always kind of like, I've always been pretty think. Average or just above average with my stuff on my rap soda. So I, one reason, probably why I never really cared into it. But it's like, okay, well, now how do I make that? I guess like like I said, I was stuck. So like, how do I take that to the next level? How can I make that a little bit better than it was before? So you know, as far as training, like my my workout training d- doesn't really differ. You can't really, I don't believe you can train weight wise or you know otherwise to change your numbers in the rap soda. But like seeing how your numbers are, I think. Or whatever they are, it's like we can make them better. I mean, depending on if you want to use, try to use stick or whatever it is um, to get a little bit more substance in the ball. I mean, that's, I would say maybe legal cheating in baseball. <laughs> it's always been there. Every, every pitcher since back in the day has used that, but uh, uh, whatever it is, you got to use that. So I just kind of lost my train of thought. Sorry. Yeah,
0: I think, I think that's good. I think you kind of got at it of, I think it's one of the, I think the way that you used it and watching you use it was uh was really cool of I think there's a lot of people that are they're doing it because it's like it should be done. Like they hear about it on TV, it's like, oh I want to get in front of the Rap Soto and see what it is. But I think watching watching you guys use it where it's like, okay, well let me try let me try to hold the ball like this, or let me try to mm-hmm. you know, do X, Y, Z, and you were really using it with a purpose and using it to just give feedback on like how like little changes that you can make live versus that you never would have seen if you were just, if you were just throwing without it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think before I lost my train, of thought where I was going with that was like, I think doing that. And then when you're playing catch every day, like the routines we talked about having a routine and like, you know, enforcing it, like, instead of just, you know, um, don't act like you're playing catch with your dad on fourth of July, don't just throw to throw, like throw with the purpose to get better. Like if you don't, if you have access to a rap soda or whatever instrument you use, Maybe once a month, like let's just say that. Like, all right, you know, mess around with it, see what you have, and then each day when you play catch, you know, try something different. Like, you know, don't like try so much different. You try and change yourself, but like, you know, once you once you do your throwing routine, you get to go out and then come back in. Like, you know, I, oh, this this work You know, holding the ball like with my fingers tilted just a bit to the side, like this, I really got a lot of ride on it, or got a lot of yeah. sink on it. You know, try and mess around with that. Like I was just throwing the other day with my brother, and I've been, you know, I've been trying to throw a sinker or a consistent one for years now. You know, I've always had a kind of pretty good forcing with life on that. And I'll throw a good sinker every now and then. I'll throw a foreseeing that sinks. I don't, you know, sometimes I don't know. And just kind of like trying to understand how I, how I do that, what happens. And, you know, I'm 28 years old now. I'm starting to kind of now kind of figure out how I can do that more consistently. And like, I think I had placed my thumb differently on, on the baseball the other day. I was like, wow, this is actually, this kind of replicates how I throw my four seam but I'm on top of the ball fully and now I'm able to get more sync on it. So uh, I haven't thrown for the rap soda yet, but I'd be interested to see what those numbers look like, if it's good or not, or if I can use it. So, yeah. Um, but I think that's definitely where, definitely what I think about it.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, that's awesome. So kind of with that um, and with the tech craze and the Velo craze right now, um, I think something that I've really kind of learned from you in, in talking is there's I don't want to say there's a lot of guys, but there's there's plenty of guys that can pull down a hundred or you know do yeah there's crazy, a lot. crazy numbers, um, but there's lots of guys that can do that and they don't actually know how to pitch and how to actually get guys out and I think that's something mm-hmm. that kind of in watching sure. you and talking to uh, you know talking to guys that have have watched you pitch and known you for a while, it's always like you're a guy that knows how to compete and knows how to make baseballs miss miss bats so without giving away too many I do <laughs> yeah Without giving away too many of your secrets what are what what's your approach to kind of the the art side of the pitching and and how you actually approach a batter and and how you try to you know ultimately get get out
1: yeah for sure well sometimes I don't know what I'm doing up there so I kind of just <laughs> throw the ball but um uh, for the most part it's like I think the biggest thing I learned and like, how we talked about, like, my journey and everything and, like, teaching the kids, like, I've had a whole process of, like, you know, teaching myself, learning from my dad, and then now teaching kids. And it's, like, that process is built, like, every year, you know, year upon year. Like, each year, you know, from the minute, like, I start throwing, you know, every little throw, you know, learning what I can do. Like, each year I come back, like, okay, I had a good year, but how do I get better? How do I do – you know, I had, you know, I didn't have as many strikeouts this year. How do I up that factor? Because, you know, they care about strikeouts. Like, whether whether you can get outs or not, like, strikeouts matter. So how do I up my strikeouts, okay? I have good stuff. Good stuff. Is it maybe taking out a pitch and focusing on three as opposed to four or five? Um, is it, you know, trying to throw more location as opposed to trying to throw harder? Um, I've done both. Like, and I think at the end of the day it comes down to, your throwing program, whatever it is, however you choose to start it and finish it, you know, whatever you do by day, I think that's the biggest thing that comes into it because, you know, we see the guys doing the pull-downs and throw 100. We do all that stuff, and, like, we have, you have all the critics saying, oh, why is this guy throwing 100? Or why is he doing that? It's, Can he throw strikes? And it's like, you know, a lot of the guys are throwing strikes, but at the same time they're not, like, you know – um. It comes like it comes out of throwing those strikes, but how like how do we do like how do we do that like I think it's more mental and it's more of a daily a daily routine as opposed to you know just training to do it. That like, you can't really train to do it. I mean, you can but it takes time and practice. Like if you throw a hundred, those guys that throw a hundred a lot are usually, you know, for the most part, you could say you're like I'd say more of the younger kids are not breaking down getting injured, but they're like, they're lo- they lose that command throughout the year. Like I've seen, i play with a lot of guys that have a lot better stuff than I do, you know, on paper. You know, you look at their stuff versus my stuff, and it's like, why am I there? But um, at the end of the day, it comes down to, like, when you're on that mound in, that, in, in between those white lines and that game is on, can you get the job done? Like, you're going to have adrenaline. You're going to have excitement. You have, you have everything coming at you all at once. You know, you could have, you know, anywhere from five to 20,000 fans, you know, and more if you're in the big leagues, screaming, hollering, I mean, that adrenaline just, can you control that adrenaline and still throw strikes? And I think that's one of the biggest things too, is like how you prepare for that. You can't necessarily prepare for that because there's nothing yeah. you, that can, you can train to do that. But if you do all your work day in, day out to get to that point, when that point hits, it should just be fun. Like you should, you should let, like, let it feel that excitement, feel that fear, feel that adrenaline. And then, you know, once, once you're locked on the catcher and it gives the signs, everything should flush out. Like, I think, you know, a lot through my career, like my good games, I remember were you could say you're in the zone or even if, even if I had an okay game, it's like, I don't know what's going on around me. like, like there could be 20,000, there could be 10, there could be five, there could be people yelling at me, chirping me, but I don't, you don't really hear it because it's like you just get locked in i think you know like i said before like if you, once you do the routine you get a routine whatever it is however you do it and you do that day in day out and you figure out yourself versus you know what other people are trying to do figure out what you're good at and how you can make that make the best version of yourself it in a sense will all take care of itself but you know you just got to keep working at it
0: yeah no, I think I think the other thing that stuck with me talking to you this offseason is like I think there's there's some guys that are probably better with no batter in the box, and uh, I remember yes. you and I were having a conversation one time and it was like, you know, I I hate working on throwing my curveball with no batter because I don't have anything to I don't have any reference point to it. You know, I don't have any. You're like I don't have I can't aim at his hands and know it's gonna break off him and and mm-hmm. there and I think that there's you know again I have no idea if it can be. If it can be taught or not, but I think there's just kind of that different there's kids like there's guys that can do it when no one's watching when no one's standing in front of them when there's no no pressure, mm-hmm. but then having somebody that you know you can have the guy in there that's that's a good hitter and and have the confidence to set up pitches and and actually get them out is 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 key, yeah, I mean it's
1: I know you said there's there's no way to teach it like I know I rambled on there, but it's like it's hard to explain like it's more of a feeling than, than something being taught. It's like, it's like one of those things they say, like, uh, you know, you know, like, yeah, like you can all say this and all do this, but like, until you, I think that's why I said like the biggest thing is to do it. Once you, once you prepare for it and you go through those situations and you put yourself in those situations, like, you know, I think from the time I played, you know, rock Hounds growing up, it's like when I played in my pitched on the mound, like I always wanted to be good. I wanted to be the moment. Like I wanted to, like, you know, if you have to make it something more than it is, then do that. It's like, however you got to handle it mentally to get it done. We have to do that. Everybody, everybody's different. Like, you know, when I go out there, it's like, um, I remember I had that, I had my fir- I had the outing in uh big league camp this year. I came in and I think I came in for, you know, is sh- it Shun or Shin Yamaguchi or the new guy we signed from, uh, Japan. And, uh, he came in, I came in with, uh, what they told me was bases loaded two outs turned out it was only first and second two outs and they told me a was coming up it was a righty so I went in there was a lot of good information um but you know it was like I went from throwing I think I threw like a week ago I was throwing at sticks with you know just me a batter and a catcher nobody there like I went to throwing in front of like I think there was 20,000 twenty. I think it was like 10,000 there you know from like doing like just training normally in the offseason like oh I'm I'm throwing in the middle of this and it was like I remember uh, running out there like you just get that white hot flash and adrenaline just surges and you're like holy crap this is it like this is like it's go time your heart's beating on your chest and like you know I remember like even warming up I'm like you know kind of like you know every time I take them out I'm a little bit scared a little bit nervous but like you know once that batter stepped in there it was like all all the all my experience all the stuff I trained for was like it's go time. You know, I was ready yeah. to go, and like I, think I, sh- I struck him out on eight pitches, should have been less, but I you know, got him out and uh, got him out. It was it was awesome, like I had one batter, and that was it.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Well, that's good stuff. So, kind of as you know, we I work with a lot of high school uh baseball players, I know you see them around the gym in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those guys have goals to play beyond high school, so either in college or you know a lot of them eventually try to set themselves up to be able to play pro baseball any last uh piece of advice or anything like that that you'd want to share with with those athletes to try to help them develop
1: yeah keep chasing your dreams
0: you know like
1: just keep doing whatever it takes like you have one time in your life one opportunity in your life to do this take every chance you get chase as long as you can till can't no more like you have the rest of your life to you know use your degree, finish your degree get get a job you know you have years and years to do that you only have a limited window to play the sport, whether it's baseball hockey football whatever it is to to do that you only have a limited window, so you know you know have fun with it, compete, and train train your ass off
0: yeah no that's uh that's awesome all right we're gonna finish up with a quick uh quick lightning round Ooh. just a couple of, a couple of yeah. fun questions to let people get to know know you a little bit better so you said you were doing uh a lot of meal prep for this off season what was your go to uh go to favorite meal prep dish
1: oh man uh i think I still eat the same things it's uh I would i would do a chicken breast i'd do a half a chicken breast uh i would do a half a packet of this of the uncle ben's like uh ready rice like microwave rice and then i would do uh whatever vegetable i bought the store that week so it'd be either asparagus or broccoli or you know sometimes i think i had like zucchini uh, whatever it was and i think i usually season the chicken like chicken's obviously boring i I prefer steak and stuff but you can't eat steak every day uh or red meat but uh i have like a garlic sriracha seasoning that's like a really good go-to favorite of mine um I got this new one. It's, a, uh, it's, an, it's an Indian spice. Um, nice. Really good. It's a really good one. I like that one. I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try to embarrass myself on that one. But, um, yeah. Living, so, living it's on a the edge. Really, really good Indian spice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, just try to change it up. Yeah.
1: yeah. You know, um, but yeah, was,
0: I'd say garlic sriracha is my go-to. There we go. Okay. Uh, what would uh, your walk-up song be? Oh, man. I don't even know
1: uh if i had to choose i think i guess i would go to my last one i had which was uh in college it was a wake me up from a, a vici but it was like right when the beat is right when the beat dropped so there was no lyrics it just when the beat dropped. And it was like yeah i pitched on friday night so i, was like, I wanted like i want something to like kind of get hyped too like you know because back then you you're a kid in college you go you know go, go to bars and stuff after you party with your friends have fun i want some of the fans could like enjoy too like kind of like friday night you could get them going so i thought that's what i thought i thought that's what it was but probably yeah. wasn't yeah. <laughs> In all honesty, but I thought it was a pretty good song.
0: Have you seen the uh, Have you seen the Avicii documentary on Netflix?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I can't.
0: Guy is unbelievable. I know. It's, uh-huh. it's very sad, but it's yeah. unbelievable what, what he what he what he how he lived his life. Yeah, no, I know that was a that was a fascinating documentary. I had like no idea yeah. how that uh, like the electronic music was made. That was. No, up. but he
1: came out of nowhere. He was just a regular person. Like like I mean like anybody, but it was just like he was just all of a sudden like he was like boom, big.
0: Yeah. No, that's uh that's awesome. Um all right, last one. Favorite uh favorite minor league uh, stadium that you played in or city. Oh Charlotte.
1: Okay. Good one. Charlotte I play I played a lot of bad ones, a lot of good ones. <laughs> um Charlotte. I would say I for for sure say Charlotte because like it's it's downtown Charlotte. Uh, it's almost it's like a it's a minor league version of PNC. Okay. Um, so you have the you have the city skyline in the background. Um, you have you know good food, that southern food. Uh, a lot of really good breakfast places to go there, um, and it's just it's just awesome. It's always warm there, so it's never cold. I played in Buffalo for two years; it's freezing there. So it's uh, just yeah. nice to be on the warmth. Um, I think I had some of the best wings I ever had. I can't remember the place. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how I could find the place again. I don't even know if they're still open, <laughs> but like I went there and they were like the Carolina gold sauce nice. and they were some of the best wings I've ever had.
0: Nice. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate the time today, Connor. Uh, great conversation. And I hope that the Milwaukee area baseball players are able to take a lot away from uh, this interview. So if anybody wants to, uh, where can listeners kind of learn more about you and, and anything that you're up to? Um,
1: the biggest thing, obviously, I guess Google's out there, but I don't have much on Google. So um, besides my MLB stats, um, I do lessons at Midler for right now as I'm still playing. Um, so there, I think I have some contact information on there if they yeah. want to reach out. Um, um, but other than that, yeah, the only way they can really look at me is my minor stats. <laughs> otherwise I'm kind of a ghost online, I think yeah. kind of a ghost on the internet. So
0: Perfect. I'll, uh, I'll put the Bigler website in the show notes. If anyone wants to, uh, to contact you, they can uh, go through that that way. So awesome. Well, thanks again. And thank you to everyone for listening and we'll see you guys on the next episode.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Mike.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.